0: What's up? this is elia einhorn your host here at the talk house podcast thank you for joining us today we have a very cool show for you this is our semi-annual talk house podcast best of and to celebrate some of our favorite moments from the first six months of this year i've got some very special guests in the building let's just go around to my left please please introduce yourselves
1: Hello, I'm Annie Fell. I'm the associate editor, and for identifying purposes, I am the woman. <laughs>
2: <laughs> my name's Keenan, and I'm the operations manager here, a.k.a. the tallest guy in the room, a.k.a. the last guy who will actually touch the podcast before it goes into you, the listener's hands.
0: A.k.a. the fixer, the guy who catches all of my mistakes.
2: Well, thanks,
3: And I wish I had somebody to catch all my mistakes. I guess that's Mark me. I, of course, Nick Dawson... Editor-in-chief of Talk as Film, you hear me occasionally on this podcast, being uh, the Sancho Panza to alias Don Quixote. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: thank you all for coming. I've I've asked you to pick some of your favorite clips from these past six months, and we're going to start out with our favorite Scotsman. Now, Nick, this is one that when you sent it over to me, I thought there's no way this happened this year. I was sure it was last year, but it snuck just over the line on January fourth we released a very cool conversation between Asif Mandvi and Jason Jones that happened live at the Sonos store.
3: It did. It was awesome. These two Daily Show veterans sat down and they they reconnected. This was a reunion. It was a reunion. We bring people together. That's what we do. It was also
0: somewhat problematic in that our producer and lead engineer, Mark Yoshizumi, and I were in the booth with the guys and we were laughing So hard that we were trying not to let our laughs bleed into their microphones.
3: You did a pretty good job. And the guys did a pretty incredible job of just being unbelievably entertaining. And the topic that they rapidly gravitated towards, as you'll hear in this clip, is one that's deeply, deeply important to me, as you know, (laughs) which is fashion. Oh, of course. As in, I reject it fully. But, you know, in in a way, they do
4: too. Well, I guess we should let them explain.
0: Let's roll
3: it.
4: Here's an interesting thing. You and I worked together for years. We did. But this might be the longest conversation we've ever had.
5: It's already the longest. What are we in? What are we? I think we, it was what are we, thirty about seconds. Thirty in?
4: seconds ago, it became the <laughs> longest conversation we've ever had. Yeah, yeah. I don't think we've ever really had like uh, you know we we worked together, so it was a lot of.
5: What are you talking about? You would saunter into my office. No, I, I would and, have
4: conversations with you, but and not like your
5: stupid sandals <laughs>
4: in my sandals. I and just my, hear you
5: swooshing along the office floor. I'm like, oh, ugh, <laughs> exhaustive. Awesome.
4: Really? Was that uh, what? No, I, I remember. I, I remember when I, uh, I I tried out the. Uh, those five finger shoes uh-huh. for rem- a day. I remember them well. For a day,
5: we ridiculed you.
4: We <laughs> all ridiculed was, you. But you know, I uh, <laughs> I thought it, I thought at the time it was it was one of those bad decisions, yep. those bad fashion decisions in life. Mm-hmm. You've had a few of those. Come on, admit it. What is your worst fashion decision?
5: Uh, an open back vest. <laughs> Really? Yeah.
4: Like how does that even work? Like, it's like, like
5: a crisscross at the top, but it's all open in the back.
4: <laughs> it's just awful, awful. When did you wear that?
5: Uh, it, like right after college, I bought it. And I was like, this is cool. Yeah. <laughs> it- <laughs> no, no, it's not that, cool. There's that, nothing cool about I that. Can't,
4: it's, it's hard for me to even picture.
5: An open back vest.
4: That because do you it, it you, came
5: it came it was all it would look like a vest in the front yeah and it was all open in the back
4: I feel and I don't know this for a fact I know I've yeah. no, not verified this you might have a hairy back
5: uh, I don't actually
4: you don't no oh so then that's all right that you you know I mean i you wearing a kidding. shirt underneath. It. <laughs> Oh, see I was imagining skin. I, Oh, I was imagining no. it was just like you It was like going to S&M clothes. <laughs> <laughs> no. That's how I pictured it, it was, for some reason. It was just know. bad fashion. Wait, it's almost worse to wear a shirt under something like I know. Like that. That's like what like you that's, said.
5: What was my worst fashion choice? Yeah, that was it that, was an open back vest. It
4: would have been bad just to wear it without a shirt, but then now with a shirt I, I see like oh it's it's really it's horrible.
5: Yeah, and then I and but I didn't give up on it. Because <laughs> it was a black vest, so I wore black shirts.
4: Right, and then you're like, "This is this will be cool," but yeah. then you probably can't see the you the can't fact see the that open it's back, open yeah. back. So, yes. it re- it but then people the would, people would
5: look at it close and went,
4: "Is that an open back?"
0: Ah, <laughs> uh, terrible. Ah,
4: oh, fashion.
0: Some hilarious stuff there from Asif and Jason, and, and the rest of the episode is is just as funny, Nick. It is indeed. Those guys, they just knocked it out of the park. They did. That was a great series that we did at Sonos. We had some fantastic talks there. We've also been co-curating a number of live talkhouse events at the iconic Strand Bookstore in Manhattan. Keenan, your choice comes from our most recent of that series. Yeah, it
2: pairs singer-songwriter Natalie Prass with her producer Matthew E. White, who both worked on Natalie's newest record, The Future and the Past. And I just want to mention that the event was open to the public. We had tickets for it. And you can find upcoming events on our upcoming events tab on the talkhouse website and speaking of upcoming events actually there is a dj night too many
0: man ellie you can talk more about this definitely savage's faye milton has a fantastic dj night over in london as you mentioned too many man and we are bringing it to brooklyn for the very first time so that's up on the events page you can buy tickets ahead of time it's happening at the brooklyn bazaar cool
2: now in the upcoming clip we're going to hear how the 2016 presidential election had a huge influence on natalie Prass's record let's roll a clip Writing political songs is hard. Why don't you talk about that actually?
6: <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> you can talk about how hard it is.
6: It is really hard because how do you talk about these things in a way that's not too on the nose or could come off like a little I don't know, just you don't you don't wanna alienate any anybody, I guess, or It's like, how do we talk about this, like, really difficult, giant, broken issue in, like, three minutes and have it be singable (laughs) and danceable? It's actually a lot harder than it sounds. But my favorite artist to ever make political music is Stevie Wonder. I feel like he's just the best at it. And um, he was my—I kind of just always kept him in mind with how kind he is with his approach to writing— political music and how inclusive and just compassionate he is towards humanity just in general. And that's how I wanted to approach writing the new songs.
2: And I can still remember sitting in the room live hearing that and immediately typing that into the notes section on my phone. Funny yes. enough. I mean, a little bit of a look behind the scenes um, for our listeners. I, I do some of the promotional content for the podcast. And so that includes what we call these audiograms, these little like video snippets where you hear like a little 30 second uh, clip, much like what you just heard. Specifically designed for Instagram. Yeah. Funny enough, if you're not following us on Instagram at Talkhouse, there you go. These two clips, actually the uh, Natalie Prass one and the upcoming one, uh, were both supposed to be an audiogram story. But the little software we use that auto transcribes, it just wouldn't do it for the <laughs> life of
0: me. It, like I spent hours trying to get this to work. And these are the only two you've ever had problems with, the, right? The only two, funny enough. Now, here's the interesting thing about these next two clips. They come from the same talk and both you, Keenan, and, and Annie pulled clips from this is one of your favorite episodes. Annie, tell me a little bit about this.
1: Yeah, this is a talk that was recorded live at On Air Fest in March. It's between Meredith Graves, who's the front woman of the band Perfect Pussy. She's a Talkhouse contributor and just like a certifiable genius.
0: She's running the music department at Kickstarter now. She
1: is. Um, and then it was her and Cameron Lynch, who's an NFL linebacker, who at the time of this episode was with the Rams, right? Um, and he was interning at the Players' Tribune, which is basically like talk house for sports.
0: Right. The Players' Tribune has huge athletes writing about their experiences in the way that we have musicians over at the TalkHouse.
1: Exactly. And
0: so we reached out to them when On Air Fest asked us to curate a talk. And we said, look, we love what you're doing. You love what we're doing. Let's work together on this. It was very cool.
1: Very cool. And I mean, they got together and they talked about dealing with failure, which is something that you're going to hear in the clip. Um, And it's something that we've covered in music a lot on the TalkHouse end. And I'm so ignorant about sports. So it was really cool to hear it from a totally different perspective. And I mean, they're both just such smart and funny people. I'd listen to them talk about literally anything should we roll it let's do it
2: in corporate America you probably would get some of the best workers through these athletes because of the high pressure and the high intensity that we uh, that we go through so you know we are diverse and we're very professional and um uh, we're very much just like everyone else just at a you know a different level so
7: and where music and sports intersect I think uh What you just said is really wonderful. Like, if what you want is someone to go at things with precision, if what you want is for someone to see something through, I can foresee an athlete being a a great person for that job. And also just to the point of, like, if you're going to criticize what somebody does, you better be able to do it better in a lot of cases. And that's how I felt when a couple weeks ago everyone was going off on Fergie for... Donging up the national anthem so badly. It's like, can you do better?
8: Yeah. Can, do
7: you know what it's like to actually, like, because you're just on the listening end of that and you're like, this does not sound good to me, an average person who cannot sing to save my life. Right. It's right. like, have you ever sung in an outdoor stadium situation where you are experiencing the Doppler effect of your own voice coming back at you in a different key because of the stadium monitors and having it echo at you live? Wow. You're just singing the national anthem, ostensibly to some, the most important song that we have, and it's impossible to hear yourself. Wow. We, all you hear is like a yodeling echo. Yeah. So it's that kind of thing of like, like, you don't know the number of skills it takes to do the thing that you see someone do on TV, whether they're making a tackle or whether they're interviewing Migos or whether they're singing the national anthem. Yeah. People don't know the number of skills that go into what, looks, what the end result looks like.
2: Right. So when you go through something like that, right? So like, like Fergie, like how do, you, how do you bounce back or how do you you know mentally go through that, that mockery, right? Like you're a professional and, you know, like let's say Odell Beckham, like he messes up, right? Like you're a professional at your craft. Like if he messes up and he gets mocked, you know, he goes through a mental um, recovery, essentially. How do you go through that mentally and how did you go through that?
7: Ooh, the mental recovery from dinging up a performance real bad. I mean, to to a point, it's cold comfort, but cold comfort is like cold pizza. Sometimes it's better than <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the first time it gets around to you. It's, uh, it's that sometimes you really do just have to sort of steel yourself, give yourself a good squeeze and say, well, of all of the... I still did better than all of the people making fun of me would have, which, you know, it's, it's never great to compare yourself to other people, but just to say, you know even when people perceive me as having lost, I tried, which means I won in some context. Right, right. I I won because I had an experience that other people will never get to have. Mm, It's about, for me, I mean, to get really existential with it, whether it's in terms of publishing a piece that you think is gonna bang and then it doesn't hit, or Mm. you you publish something and it scans to other people as potentially being off, or other people are just picking on you on the internet, or you made a bad play, or you donged up the national anthem in front of millions of viewers, regardless of what happens, It's crucial to sit back and remember at the end of the day and not to employ like a cliche that's bound for a Pinterest meme, but like Mm -hmm. we are the composite of immeasurable eons of carbon that's drifted back down to the surface of this planet. Mm -hmm. We're an inexplicable consciousness piloting a skeleton wrapped in heavily cured meat. (laughs) We all die. So (laughs) like when when, when you fuck up, when you fuck up, please just remember that like, at any point, your brain could short and you could pee your pants. You know, things could always be worse. You are an unpredictable (laughs) consciousness driving a meat-covered skeleton. (laughs) Fergie can sing the national anthem really bad and it doesn't change the fact that you never decide the hour of your own death. Like you can get very existential with it and sometimes that is, it's all you get. At the end of like dicking something up. Yeah,
3: wow.
0: Gang, I would have to say Meredith earned a fucking mic drop there. Definitely. She's, oh my God. she's a prodigious speaker. She's brilliant. Now, she mentioned in that clip being bullied online. Nick, we're going back across the table to you. That happens to come up in the piece you picked as well.
3: Yeah, this is an exclusive. This is a never ran. Yeah, this is just a little nugget from our Adam Goldberg, Stephen Drozd podcast from a couple months ago.
0: For those of you living under a rock, Stephen Drozd, he of the flaming lips.
3: And Adam Goldberg, of course, the actor, photographer, musician, multi-hyphenate, triple threat, quadruple, double scoops, <laughs> triple chalk sunday. He's a dangerous man. He's a dangerous, dangerous man. And here he talks about kind of dangerous stuff because he and, and Stephen Droz were talking about the name that he came up with for his band, the, the Goldberg sisters, which was not popular with his wife. But that led into a discussion about this potential project that he was going to have with some even more dangerous people than Mrs. Goldberg.
0: Should we roll it? Let's roll it.
3: You know, Roxanne was Roxanne was mad
9: at me about it. Why's that? Well, okay. I mean, I, this is gonna, this is- I'm, More I'm just, all right I'm, hate mail or something because it's Goldberg and sisters? Oh, no, no. no. I mean, I could, you want to get into the all right hate mail. Let's, I mean, we can obviously go down that road. We'll be here for fucking ever. Um, yeah, I can't believe but, you really actually have to deal with that. It seems like- I mean, yeah. I mean, I told you I was, I, I, didn't I mention that I was going to start this podcast where I interview my Nazi trolls on Twitter? You Yes, yes. Yeah, I, I, I but I just haven't that. gotten around to it because like I, you know, am moving and have a kid and a record and a job and don't, like like the first thing I want to do when I come home isn't necessarily call a Nazi. Um, well, that but, seems like that would be exhausting and a, and a strain on your just day-to-day life.
3: It would do, but I'm glad that, that we heard about this upcoming podcast, and I hope he does do it. it
0: I, I it think that's going to be a talkhouse series. Yeah.
3: yeah, Adam Goldberg meets the Nazis. This has a nice ring to it.
0: I'll tell you it had a nice ring to it, Nick. You telling me that Guillermo del Toro and William Friedkin were coming on the fucking podcast.
3: Yeah, that was a happy day. And it was a very happy day when we recorded it as well. They spoke for, for two hours plus. They rocked my world. This taping happened just after Del Toro's huge wins at the Oscars. Yeah, and just after freaking, had put on a, a Three Stooges sweatshirt. So, you know, <laughs> it's like it was a big time for both of them. Now, you know how much I like talking about the apocalypse. I know. Nick, you're obsessed. So, uh, you know, alt-right trolls, environmental disaster, everything is a sign. <laughs> and it's just nice not to be alone because these guys got into this subject and it's always fascinating to hear them talk, but this was, for me, one of the real highlights.
8: You texted me. Yeah. Out of the blue, yeah. you sent me an email.
10: Mm-hmm.
8: And it said, do you think the apocalypse is here? <laughs> and it took me weeks to frame a response to you because <laughs> I hadn't that. thought about it. <laughs> yes. And I'm thinking, what does he mean? Yes. And I, uh, but I thought rather than ask you what you meant, I would just stop and think about current events. And I thought, you know, then when you got nominated, I think I, I wrote back to you, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> no, you
10: know, what happens, what happens to, uh, it happens with every generation. I mean, the quote-unquote end of the world has come so many times in a social way where people say 1901, end of the world, turn of the century. Turn of the century panics. Happened in the Middle Ages. Happens with the advent of a comet in the sky, you know. So many times. But uh, obviously, in our lifetimes, I mean, the world ends with each of us. That's a fact. And the world is born with each of us. Everybody falls in love for the first time. Everybody's wounded for the first time. But but there is a sense... uh, Right now, to me, I mean, as close as we've come to having cosmic supernaturally powers, it starts after we split the atom. When we, when we can go that deep into the blueprint and change the layout at that cosmic level where we say, okay, we're going to take an atom, we're going to fragment it, and this is what is going to happen. There has never been the marriage of power and emotion socially, at a, such an excitable level as it is today. I do believe that, scientifically, we are a little past the cliff of ecological disaster. I mean, we're in it. I do believe that. I do believe that should a war come to us and should it involve nuclear weapons, we would be. We, we're not going to end up in one day. I think we're gonna, it's going to be slow. It's going to take years, and they're going to be very bad years. Uh, And and I think about it. I find
8: myself thinking about it. Well, the thing you talk about, the entry into ecological disaster, Mm -hmm. has come through scientific progress. Yes. You know, the need to push forward in splitting the atom Mm -hmm. and in everything that followed that to invent a better way to drive a car, an easier way with no thought of Robot
10: dogs that open doors. Yeah. (laughs) No, I mean, there there are some some things that... But there was in the 1800s, no, in the 1700s, there was a study published in Europe where a, a very serious scientist calculated the mass of feces produced by a human uh, and uh-huh. the amount of water in the sea. And, this, and he, pr- he produced a, an incredibly persuasive document that, that basically said we were going to shit ourselves to death. <laughs> and I wonder sometimes if our science is that primitive. When when I, I mean, I hope there is a loophole in this scientific theory because if not the disaster ecologically that we're causing, it, it is irreversible, it's irreversible for the world as we know it. As we know it.
0: A very powerful conversation. Thankfully, one that is not all about the apocalypse as much as you, Nick Dawson, would have liked it to be. I would have liked
3: that, but it's pretty incredible anyway.
0: It is. This was a rare TalkHouse double feature. This talk ran across two distinct episodes, and we partnered with Vanity Fair for it.
3: There was a lot of fun, and and talking of fun, can I use fun as a segue? Can I? (laughs) Let's get into some fun. One of my
0: favorite episodes of the year so far, one of our producer, Mark Yoshizumi's favorite episodes of the year was one that Keenan Kush here in the room with us could not even get into. (laughs) Keenan, you showed up 10 minutes late, right? It was the G train. I left an hour ahead
2: of time. Everyone in Brooklyn blames the G train. I I was literally at the door like a minute late
0: and they, they refused me entry. This bookstore was absolutely packed. So books are magic. Listen, book shoppers, if you're in Manhattan, you go to the Strand. If you're in Brooklyn, you go to Books Are Magic. Books Are Magic hosted this fantastic event pairing Broad City's Abby Jacobson with the fantastic writer, Samantha Irby.
1: Yeah, and they came together to talk about the new edition of Samantha's book, Meaty, which they're actually turning into a TV show together.
0: They are. It's going to be on FX. We're not sure of their release date, but I have to say I am very excited about it. Now, I picked this clip because we hear a lot of funny stories about how people are sort of discovered, as it were, discovered in air quotes and and their journey to success. This is the most atypical one I've probably ever heard, and... These women are absolutely fucking hilarious. Let's check it out.
11: I'm your biggest fucking fan.
12: (laughs) Stop. No, No, the whole, no, I'm I'm here to not stop.
11: (laughs) Um, Okay. Can you ask me
12: some serious questions, please? Oh, they're coming. About my process, maybe? You know, I already, you said that because I told you I was going to ask you that
11: shit. Okay. (laughs) Okay. I'm going to start off because... Sam and I know each other very well. Um, I'm going to, like, let's talk about how we met. Yeah? Yes. Okay. Okay, Okay, so just to give you guys, like, like how we met. So, Janine Garofalo did, like, came on Broad City to do a role, season one. And weirdly, to thank us, which was like, why are you thanking us? You're doing our show. You're like, you know. Um, She gave me and Alana the original meaty. And I was like, oh, my God, Janika Ruffalo gave me a book. <laughs> and I went home and read it immediately. And I was like, this was in 2013. And I was like, who the fuck is this person? <laughs> and I, like, hadn't seen it. It was, it was like, in, like, kind of, like, the employee picks, Like, people, like, kind of, like, it was a secret. And I kept it... Secret. I didn't tell anyone how good it was <laughs> on purpose. I was like, holy fuck, who the fuck is this bitch? It's so funny. It's, you guys know that Sam is like, laugh out loud funny, unlike anyone else, and I kept it a secret because I never wanted, like I had never thought I'd wanna, wanna make a show like, for, with someone else's idea. <laughs> but I read this book and I was like, this has to be a TV show. And I emailed Sam. I, like, found her online through her blog. And I emailed her and I was like, hey, dude. uh."
12: (laughs) So vaguely. Right? I didn't say anything. So I get this email (laughs) that's, like, from a regular person's Gmail. (laughs) So I didn't think it could be, like, from a celebrity. And I was like, celebrities don't have... Gmails and so I get this email that's like very cool. it's like, "Hey, I read your book. if you're ever in New York, want have I want to have coffee and like talk to you yeah, that's how I wrote yeah <laughs> I just want to have coffee and talk to you. So I was like, I have an idea, uh-huh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, so uh eight months later, I wrote back <laughs> and was like oh sure yeah if i'm ever in new york we'll get a coffee and then i was like something about green juice you're like (laughs) or green juice and i was like because i thought that was like a real new york thing to say because like i'm from the midwest where we see potatoes for every meal so i was like we could get a green juice if I'm ever in New York. And then sent it and was like, I'm never going to hear back from that person.
11: And then I was like, okay, I'll be more specific. And I, she, like, basically made me be like, hey, my name is Abby. I have this show. I, <laughs> I want to pitch you an idea about working together. And then I went to Chicago and, like, made you... Take me to your favorite breakfast place. <laughs> yes.
12: I um, made her come to Chicago. <laughs> I was like, if you're really on TV, see you in the Delta Terminal, because I'm not coming in New York. You can come to me. <laughs> so I did. I fucking did. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And, and then we had breakfast and it was great. And she talked to me about doing a TV show. And the first thing I said was like, do I have to be on it? And she was like, no. And I was like, great. I'm in. Let's do it. Yeah. And you that don't was have it. To be on it. So it took like a year for us to get together. Yeah. But then Maybe when we did, it was a little bit like, more than a year. It was. <laughs> I really don't believe shit until shit happens. Listen, I also sometimes the longer
11: things go on, the better they are.
12: The longer they take, playing hard to get works. (laughs) Apply that to every part of your life. I guess play hard to get. Yeah, and like someone will give you a TV show.
0: Amazing, amazing stuff there. The whole podcast is absolutely hilarious. I cannot recommend that episode highly enough, listeners. That is our last clip of this semi-annual best of. But guess what? We have lots of podcasts you can check out.
1: You can find the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can smash that subscribe.
2: Smash that button. You can also
3: find TalkHouse on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Smash those
4: buttons.
3: (laughs) (laughs) And of course, head to TalkHouse.com for all your written daily goodness. Essays, video essays, playlists, and other nonsense.
0: Huge love to our producer, Mark Yoshizumi, a.k.a. Mark the New Dad. Congratulations. We also want to give big shouts to our fantastic interns.
6: Julia Binswanger. And Lauren McGrath.
0: TalkHouse would not be the same without you. Listeners, till next week, I'm Elia Einhorn. I'm Nick Dawson. I'm Keenan Kush.
1: I'm Annie Fell.
0: And we're out. Thanks for listening. Peace.